Hi everyone, I'm Jason Scorse and welcome to another episode of Dispatch from the Zombie Apocalypse. I hope everybody is doing great. So I wasn't planning on commenting on Biden's State of the Union address, but it was such a masterclass in solid progressive politics that I would be remiss not to comment. And so I'm going to couch my remarks here in the larger context of the state of the Democratic Party, which I will argue is incredibly strong. Or as many like to say, the Democrats are in array. And this, of course, is a play on words since the mainstream media is addicted to theories about Democrats in disarray. You know, story after story about the Democrats fighting and progressives against centrists. And the mainstream media simply doesn't know how to cope with a strong, unified Democratic Party. It just goes against all their priors. Now, I've listened to a lot of discussion about the State of the Union and read a lot about it. Of course, I watched it in full. And I want to add some value here. So I'm going to comment on a few items that others haven't entirely picked up on and also offer some thoughts on parts of the speech that the that left some people scratching their heads, particularly the short shrift that abortion received. So first, of course, I highly recommend that if you haven't listened to the speech in its entirety, you do so. It's quite impressive and really revealing on many fronts. It's, you know, it's over an hour, but, you know, listen to it while you're, you know, washing the dishes or something. Before getting into specifics, I want to make one comment to set the context that really can't be emphasized enough. Joe Biden is kryptonite to Republicans. And a lot of this, not all, but a lot of this is because he's an old white man. And I I think we just need to be real about this and recognize that if a Democratic woman president or another person of color, a black or Latino, was saying the exact same things that Biden said, they wouldn't be as effective. This is because most of the electorate is old white people. And Biden, therefore, is hard to attack. He does bring a lot of skills and experience that are very powerful in American politics, And he does have real skill and savvy that I'm going to talk about. First off, he talks in simple language and has a very down-to-earth kind of folksy air. Look, I don't like saying this. You know, I'm sure people will call me an elitist or whatever. The reality is that much of America is not that smart or sophisticated about politics. And speaking in simple terms is always a smart political strategy in America. Now, the reality is, you know, again, most people spend more time, you know, on sports than they do on politics. They can tell you all the stats of all their favorite teams, and and many don't even know who their own congresswoman or man is or their senators, right? So I'm just stating a fact. And when you ask them about bills that were passed or legislation or foreign policy, most Americans don't know a goddamn thing. And, you know, That's just a fact. I wish it weren't so. I wish there was more civic engagement. I've been really impressed when I've gone around the world. I've talked to Africans 
who knew more about you know American politics in Rwanda or Burundi than most Americans do. So it's not that most people everywhere don't pay attention to politics. In America, it's really it's it's extreme how little people know about the things going on both at the state and federal level. So again, talking in simple language, things that people can easily relate to and understand, and Biden's not talking down to anyone. In fact, he's trying to empathize, empathize with people and help lift them up. And look, Biden's personal history makes him a very sympathetic figure. He's lost a wife and two children in his lifetime, right? You know, his wife and, and a young child killed in a car accident, and then his older son, Bo, you know, dying of brain cancer. This is devastating stuff. It would be devastating for anyone. And that he has thrived and become the president under those circumstances is incredibly impressive. And he exudes a love of America and a patriotism rooted in possibility, not animosity, that is central to his appeal, right? He's not hating on anyone. Biden doesn't come up there to talk about the people he hates or wants to exclude, right? The people who aren't American enough, who aren't real Americans. He doesn't peddle in that racist, xenophobic bullshit, right? So the bottom line is, is that Biden is a very likable politician who speaks at exactly the right level to reach most Americans where they're at. And it's clear that he sees himself as the president of all Americans, not just those who voted for him. That he's also old and white makes him incredibly formidable as a as a politician, as a candidate. And by the way, this is why Trump was scared of Biden from the start and tried to get Zelensky to dig up dirt on him. He knew that Biden was his biggest threat, and he was right. I'll give Trump that. I mean, Trump is a craven monster, but he has instincts about who the biggest threats are, and he was right. Biden was his biggest threat and is still the biggest threat both to him and the Republican Party. And this is why the Republicans try their best to make him appear old and senile. And you'd think that might work, right? He is 80. He is old. He's definitely not as energetic as he was 10 years ago, 20 years ago. But this backfires spectacularly because they set such a low bar for him that he can easily exceed it. And then this surprises people. Wow, Biden was really spunky. Biden was on the top of his game, right? It's always better to exceed expectations than to fail to meet them. And Republicans just keep setting these expectations so low that Biden just kind of leaps over them and looks great. And Biden did that again. He did it again in historic fashion in this 2023 State of the Union. And so after the break, I'll come back with more analysis and details.
Okay, so one of the central themes of this podcast that I keep returning to is that Democrats and progressives don't need to be afraid of the right wing because we have the facts and truth on our side while they have to continually lie and gaslight. And this is a great strength when you can just speak the truth from the heart, from your true values, while they just have to literally try to lie and and cheat and steal. That's a great strength. And so we should be confident. And so before getting back to the State of the Union and Biden's masterclass, I want to comment on this angle here about the new GOP House hearings meant to investigate the deep state and Democrats, right? They have all this bullshit committees with these fucking MAGA fascists like Jim Jordan and Gates and Marjorie Taylor Greene and, you know, about the weaponization of the government. Basically, they're going after the investigators, right? The people who are investigating the crimes of Republicans, they're going after, right? And they're going after media and tech people saying, you're biased in front, you know, for liberals and all this, right? So it's all the Fox News right-wing bullshit. They're doing these big hearings. And it's only been a couple weeks now, but so far they are completely backfiring, right? Yes, the MAGA fascists are getting a few clips that they can play on fake news like Fox and OAN and all the, you know, the the crazy cult news channels. But so what, right? They were going to make up bullshit for those channels no matter what. Those channels are fact-free, reality-free, and they're for the MAGA fascist base. So who cares what's on those? But the rest of the country... Those who are paying attention, which again is not a large amount, but it's not zero, they're seeing that the right wing has absolutely nothing and looks like complete fools, right? The Democrats are doing their homework and exposing the Republicans for the absolute frauds and con men and women that they are. For example, in the you know the the hearings about Twitter. They grilled these, you know, Twitter executives. Were you, was the Biden administration trying to pressure you to do dot, dot, dot? No, 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 no. And then the Democrats came up. Did you change your policy for Trump? Did Trump ask you to do things and you take things down? Yes, yes, and yes. So again, it's all projection, right? All the corruption from the right wing that they do, they try to project onto their opposition, But the Democrats just pulled that veil back. Like, nope, no evidence Biden did anything. Plenty of evidence Trump did anything. Your whole fucking kangaroo hearing here is just bullshit, right? And this is, by the way, why I wasn't worried about these hearings. I'm worried about stuff like this when you don't have a strong Democratic Party, when people aren't ready to push back and fight. But those days are over. This is a new Democratic Party. This Democratic Party isn't getting walked all over. Is everyone perfect? Are they doing everything how I want? Of course not. But there is a there is a confidence and a swagger now, a standing up against the right that is a thing of beauty because the right wing has nothing. It has nothing. Their positions suck. Their ideas suck. Their policy proposals suck. The majority of people hate their fucking worldview. So again, when most people hate what you're selling, you try to put the lipstick on the pig. And that's all they do. And then the Democrats rub it off. And then they show it for what it is. And by the way, I really like pigs. It's an insult to pigs. You know, maybe, you know, lipstick on a, on a, on a you know, a troglodyte or something is a better, um, a better metaphor. Anyway, um, of course, facts and truth 
aren't always sufficient to persuade and change minds. I know that. In fact, I know that, you know, very well in all my work. I say that all the time. Information does not mean behavior change, right? But when you're the president of the United States and you have a once a year opportunity to have the attention of tens of millions of Americans and know that what you say is going to be commented on all week and people are zeroed in, that's a good time to try it out, to come with some facts and truth to try to make a case. And that's why the State of the Union is always a golden opportunity to set the national agenda. Oftentimes, presidents don't do a great job, but this time, Biden really did. You know, uh, people are saying it's the best State of the Union in the last 40, 50 years. You know, I don't know. I haven't watched all of them, but it was definitely one for the history books. And Biden set the national agenda in brilliant fashion. He stated the facts about both his accomplishments and what GOP priorities are. And again, since those priorities are deeply unpopular, Republicans threw a hissy fit and they started, you know, heckling him and saying he's a liar. And then he brilliantly pivoted and used their fake outrage, because remember, it's fake. These are things they actually believe and backed them into a corner, as you all probably know by now, to promise not to cut Social Security and Medicare. And he did this after praising Republicans for all the help they gave him in passing some of the big laws of the last two years. This put them in a no-win situation because the reality is most Americans like bipartisanship, but the GOP base hates it. So Biden won points with the majority for touting bipartisanship and also made the MAGA base furious. This is good stuff. Now, many commentators have pointed out that his remarks about pride and the dignity of work were very populist and almost Trumpian. I think this is mostly bullshit because this has been Biden's theme for a while. Way before Trump was on the scene, Biden was talking about the middle class and the working class roots. And Democrats like Sherrod Brown in Ohio have been saying that about talking about the dignity of work and the middle class and manufacturing since way before Trump. However, Biden did mainstream this working class and middle class message and make it central to the Democratic brand in these last couple years. And that is something new. You know, for all the things, good things we can say about Obama, he did not make a middle class, working class agenda central to his theme, to his brand. And so at least in in the 21st century, this is new. And it's a beautiful thing to see Biden do it because he has the receipts. My favorite line from the speech was when he was praising Republicans who helped him pass the bipartisan infrastructure law. He also praised those who didn't vote for it, but still want the dollars. And he said, I'll see you at the groundbreaking. Booyah, booyah, right? This is exactly what I've said the strategy should be for the next two years. Go to ribbon-cutting ceremonies after ribbon-cutting ceremonies across the country, red states, blue states, rural, urban, suburban, and get as many Republicans by your side as you can when you cut those ribbons. This is exactly the look Biden wants, and it shows real progress. Now, some people have commented that polls say about 75% of the public can't identify anything Biden has done for them or any legislation he has passed, right? This again comes back to my point about Americans not being that smart or sophisticated about politics. 
since Biden has passed more legislation than anyone in 50 years, sent them stimulus checks, tens of millions of Americans got, you know, increased child tax credits. There's, you know, there's just tons of things that people have gotten. He increased the Obamacare subsidies, but most people just don't even know it. And commentators are saying that this is going to show how hard it will be for him to run on his record. Because after all, if people don't know what he did, how can you run on it? Again, bullshit. That's not how it works. Most Americans can't name anything any president does. Like I said, Americans just don't know that much about politics. So what would a voter have said after two years of, the, of Trump's term? Right? What would Trump have done for them? Unless you were really rich and gotten a big tax cut, they would have had nothing to say. Right? After two years of Trump, he had done nothing for most Americans. Right? But what, do, what voters do notice is the general state of the economy. And if the jobs are booming, as they are now, if things are being built, as they are now, if services are improving, as they are now, and inflation is going down, as it is now, Biden's going to be in great shape, even if barely anyone knows the specific bills he signed. And I want to add to this that, you know, they passed a lot of stuff in the first two years, and it was the end of COVID. So this next two years is going to be about implementation. And there's going to be so much stuff being built and so many people using the tax credits to buy electric vehicles or heat pumps or solar panels that many more people are really going to see in their real lives the, 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 the implications and the benefits of, of the Biden agenda. So before wrapping up this overview, I want to comment on two other points made by commentators. So Josh Marshall and Kate Riga were the ones that pointed out that Abortion barely got a mention, and this infuriated a lot of women's rights groups. And I must say that, it, you know, like them, I do believe this was an oversight. I do think he should have spoken more about it. And especially given how central it was to the Democratic victories in 2022, and just because it's a human rights issue. I mean, we're getting stories every day about women being forced into horrible situations in the Taliban states where they have outlawed abortion. Now, something tells me that this was somewhat intentional, even if misguided, and that he's kind of saving it up for the 2024 campaign. For example, I think in the 2024 State of the Union, abortion rights is going to be much more central. Maybe I'm wrong, but I'm going to put that out there as a marker right now, because I think what he'll be able to say then is there will be you know, almost a Republican nominee or, or a Republican nominee by then, you know, they'll definitely be in the beginning of the process and it'll be clear, you know, who the front runners are. And most of them will probably be, you know, talking about banning abortion. And so he will be able to make a case next year. Hey, guys, if you let Republicans win and they win the Congress, they might ban abortion nationwide. So maybe it was kind of saving of a little of the powder for next year. I don't think this excuses him for not speaking about it more this time, but I do expect that it's going to be very front and center during the 2024 race. So again, though, kind of a head scratcher. I don't have a lot of insight into why he, he you know, downplayed that. It, did, it does seem like an oversight and something they should have done. The, the, the second comment here is Mike Madrid of the Lincoln Project is a regular commentator on the Politicology podcast. I generally think he is very smart. I like him. But he made one of the absolute fucking dumbest comments I've heard on the, the podcast on February 10th. 
on politicology. He said that Biden's blue-collar agenda, which he loves, by the way, was going to collide with environmentalists. And this was the greatest challenge for Biden being able to realize his vision. This is so fucking dumb because most of Biden's manufacturing agenda is focused on green energy. He's the guy who finally fused the two together. Manufacturing jobs, working class jobs, plus green industrial policy. That's the whole theme of these last couple years, right? Many of the factories being opened right now are making electric vehicles, solar panels, wind panels, wind turbines, or parts that go into them. So there's no longer a contradiction between industrial growth and climate because most of the investment is green. So I don't want to oversimplify this. There are problems with the mining and, you know, in for, for the minerals for, for electric vehicles and their batteries. Of course, there are going to be some wind and solar projects that environmental groups for, for, for good or ill um, oppose. But overall, this industrial policy is solidly green. So I was really shocked that Mike fell into this old jobs versus environment debate which is so, so fucking tired and so wrong, especially in 2023. And no one pushed back against him. I mean, I was just amazed like that people just kind of accepted, oh, yeah, jobs versus the environment. What? Did I wake up in 1993 or something? Um, So Biden was the one who put the two pieces together, climate and industrial policy. That's the great innovation. That's the Green New Deal. And the fact that people don't get it is just people are in such an old, tired mind state. So anyway, that's um, what I have to say about the Biden State of the Union, kind of some overall strengths of the Democratic Party. And I'll come back with the antidote right after the break. I'm so tired. I haven't slept a wink. I'm so is on the blink I wonder should I get up and fix myself a drink no 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 I'm so tired I don't know what to do I'm so tired okay so this antidote is going to be short and sweet you know, the, the State of the Union could be viewed as the unofficial launch of Biden's re-election campaign, and it couldn't have gone better. So my antidote for today is that when he does officially announce that he's running for re-election, show your support and get behind him right away. Quell the doubts of any of your wobbly friends who go, oh, I want someone else, he's too old, or any of your family members or colleagues who get, you know, shrug a little. Let's stay strong and united. Let's let all the chaos and fighting be on the GOP side where it belongs. Won't that be sweet? All of us united against a strong Biden, you know, going to ribbon cutting ceremonies while the Republican Party is eating itself alive. Right. That primary is going to be ugly in the best possible way. And if the Dems stand united behind Biden, we'll be in very good shape going into 2024. So that's my antidote for today. And with that, everybody, if you're enjoying the podcast, please share it with family, friends, and colleagues. Subscribe on Apple, iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. Uh, Rate it and review it. And with that, everybody, I hope you have a great rest of the week. Stay safe. Take care.